0: The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into to The Sportscaster and Her Son. I'm Peggy Kaczynski. This is the show where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I am a 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for the past 18 years, and this is uh, my son, Jason.
1: I'm not a baby boomer. I'm 17, and Peggy's son, contributing writer for Minor League Ball Fanside at Busting Brackets and to Windy City.
0: And you're still in high school. Mm-hmm. How many more months?
1: Uh, about six.
0: Oh, my gosh. We are in the throes of waiting to find out about college. So this is a, an exciting time for us. Um, you know, Jason, the last time that we talked, we actually, you know, because we tried to bridge the gap of the generations, you know, yes, I am a baby boomer, but I kind of don't feel that old. Um, but there's a lot of years between us. So last we were talking was before Thanksgiving, and I had quite... Quite a bit of response from that show. Mm -hmm. People are dying to know. How was your Thanksgiving?
1: It was really good. It was really good. Um, Food was good. Um, The ass my seat was good. Um, Were you at the little kids' table? Um, No.
0: Who did you sit with?
1: Some aunts and uncles. I can't remember. I actually, to be completely honest with you right now, I can't remember who.
0: You don't remember who? So what was your favorite food?
1: Um... The turkey was pretty good as always. Um, sweet potatoes are good.
0: Nothing's yeah. nothing stood out crazy this it's time. It's like two weeks
1: ago, so I can't really remember.
0: Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm the one that's not supposed to be able to remember things, not you. Well, you're seventeen. You should everything should be on the, the forefront of your mind. Right. All right. Hey, in this episode, David Ross joins us, fresh off of being named the new manager of the Chicago Cubs. How long did he know that this was going to happen? How did he prepare? And we have heard about the fake press conferences that the Cubs front office put Ross through in the interview process. But we'll find out what did David Ross actually ask of the Cubs? And we'll hear some stories from Ross confronting Cubs all-star first baseman Anthony Rizzo. Everything's not always all that rosy or Should we say Rossi? So, Jason, let's start before we hear from David Ross. We are in the hot stove baseball talk right now. Let's start with the Cubs since we are going to be talking to David Ross. Tell me about the Cubs in the offseason. So much chatter that this is the year that they are going to free up some of that money. Um, Who's going to go? Wilson Contreras? Is it Chris Bryant? Is it Kyle Schwarber?
1: Well actually just yesterday Wilson Contreras posted a picture of him like walk it was like a picture of him in the Cubs like like the tunnel to the clubhouse, but it like was kind of something that like you'd post almost like if you were leaving a team. So Ooh. that raised some eyebrows on Twitter. I wouldn't look too deep into it. I just think I don't know how exactly they plan on freeing up money. I think that what they should look to do is you need to pick between Bryant Baez and Contreras you can probably extend two, but there's no way you can extend all three I think that Chris Bryant's gone maybe even this week with the winter meetings Um, I don't know what the asking price would be I know that the grievance that he filed against the Cubs is definitely in the way of him getting traded so that would need to be settled first I wouldn't be surprised to see Contreras go I'd be very surprised to see Baez get traded I don't think he's ever been brought up in a trade so Um, I think that they'll trade the, they'll make some trades. They'll Anybody that they trade off the Major League Grasser, I would completely expect them to get Major League players in return.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the, what's the pros and cons of getting rid of a Chris Bryant. Obviously, money. The contract, right?
1: Well, yeah, you don't have to pay him. He's definitely going to cost over $200 million. Um At the same time, they have Nico Horner who can play the infield, so they play him at third. They have their replacement set up, so it's not like Contreras, uh, I don't... I have serious doubts how productive the catching position would be um, Have if you were to trade Contreras. So I think that the Cubs have solid infield depth where they'd be able to recover from trading Bryant. I mean, you can't really bring, you can't expect the same amount of production, but at the same time, it wouldn't hurt as much as um, trading Contreras. So um, I think that some of the pros, you don't have to pay him in the future, but the cons are obviously you're losing one of the best players in the National League.
0: And it's interesting how much people turned on him last year. Cub fans, they they turned on Chris Bryant immediately. You know, the, the first sign of a slump. And they were like, get rid of him, get rid of him. But this has been talked about for a couple of years. The Cubs knew that they were going to have to pay him. And one guy is going to have to leave. That's the only way you can turn over a roster and continue to win. And it all, all signs point to it being Chris Bryant. Now, Wilson Contreras he's got a very cap-friendly contract. His his contract is very friendly. So right. really, what would right. they gain by by getting rid of him?
1: Well, he'd have the biggest return out of all of them because he's one of the best offensive catchers in all of baseball. Um, defensively, there's some issues, but he's a good leader in the clubhouse. He has a lot of potential. He would have hit 30 homers last year had he stayed healthy. So um, Contreras, you definitely get the biggest return. He's the most irreplace. Uh, I guess, the hardest to replace, I'll say, but... Um, which is why I would doubt that they'd trade him, but that's why I think Bryant's gone, because he's the one with the most clear replacement.
0: Why are they hanging on to Kyle Schwarber?
1: Who said they're hanging on to Kyle Schwarber? I'm
0: just asking, why is he still there? You would have thought that he would have been a perfect guy that they could have traded. uh, He's an American League DH.
1: Right, right. I don't think that they'd trade him until Nick Castellanos signs, because that would be the last, the first and the last DH to go off the market, so to speak, and that would kind of set the market for Schwarber. So if Castellanos gets... Um, a nine-figure salary, then Schwarber's price tag definitely goes up. If not, then it probably stays where it is right now. And I don't know how high his price tag is because he's a one-dimensional player. He goes through slumps. He's a home run hitter. But in baseball nowadays, everyone's a home run hitter.
0: I don't know if you saw David Ross's uh, coaching staff was announced. Uh, were, were any surprises to you? Anything that made you go, hmm, this is interesting? A lot of people were pointing to, um, is it Craig Driver um, being hired? A, a former, you know, he's a catching coach. People were saying, ooh, does this mean that Contreras is gone? Or does this mean that Contreras will actually stay? There, there was talk that there was some friction between David Ross and Contreras when the two played together in '16.
1: I don't doubt that part, but at the same time, I don't think that things that happened in 2016 should dictate the moves that the Cubs make now, especially where the roster is and the money situation you can't really afford to lose a player like Wilson Contreras unless you're getting the absolute best return. So I wouldn't look too deeply into the coaching staff. I don't think that there are any surprises. It's, it's like any new coaching staff. You hire a new manager, brings in his guys, and there wasn't anything that was really, really raised any eyebrows to me.
0: So Cole Hamels leaves the Cubs, but there was a lot of talk right before he left um, that he wanted to stay in Chicago right. and that he would love to have played for the White Sox, but he ended up not going to the White Sox. Were yeah. you surprised no, by there, the Cole yeah, Hamels signing?
1: I, I was surprised initially, and then I saw the money and I wasn't surprised at all because there was just no way the White Sox were going to dish out $18 million for one year of Cole Hamels. They wanted him on two years, and Cole Hamels really wasn't willing to do that. It was more of a one, one-year thing, can reassess things after this year. So it, I, I think the White Sox will find pitching in other ways. Maybe it's Dallas Keuchel. Um, if not Dallas Keuchel, maybe Bumgarner. I don't really love the concept of giving Bumgarner a nine-figure salary, but if that's what it takes to bring in a top-of-the-rotation left-handed pitcher, then I'm all for it.
0: So that that's a good question because the White Sox are, always seem to be right there in on the bidding but they can't get the big name. What's it going to take? It's, a, it's, it's a, going
1: to take winning. It's going to take winning. It's, gonna,
0: it's a lot of money now. So you have to, you're going to overpaying. Look at Cole Hamels. Teams are overpaying for pitching. So what are the White Sox going to have to give up? They're going to have to pay. And, and who are they going to get? Who would the White Sox fans be happy with the Sox getting
1: based on the reaction from Twitter, I don't think they'd be too pleased with Bumgarner with the current price tag. I, for one, would love Madison Bumgarner on the South side. That's that, that would be the White Sox John Lester. You have somebody who's won three World Series, yes, three World Series, top of the rotation, left handed, big presence in the clubhouse. You know what you're going to get out of him. The advanced saber metrics don't like him too much, but at the end of the day, he's a winner, he's still an above average pitcher and they need that experience on the team. When you look at how young the team is and the state of the rotation, they need somebody to drive that rotation. And if it's not Bumgarner, then I think Dallas Keuchel is a pretty good option. For Keuchel, it'll probably cost more or less 60 to $70 million, I would think. Bumgarner, closer to $100 million. But I can almost guarantee at this point that one of the two, they're going to add two veteran pitchers, and one of the two is going to be a left-hander. And I would say the other one, if they don't sign one of – well, no, I think that they'll sign one of Bumgarner, Keiko and Ryu, and then past that, they'll trade for a controllable. They'll trade for a pitcher with years of control.
0: When in the players' mind do you think it does it's no longer just about the money? You know, it, it, the numbers that they're talking now and the numbers that are being thrown around right now, it, it can't always be about the money. If teams are so close in their bidding, what is it going to take? Is there still a stigma against the White Sox in Major League Baseball with players? Is there a stigma when you're the, you know, the 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 stepchild to the Chicago Cubs? You know, what do you think players are looking at when they want to sign with a team?
1: Team. Well, when everybody's willing to throw a blank check, so to speak, then it comes down to winning. And the White Sox simply have not won. They've not made the playoffs since 2008. They have not been above 500 since 2012. So when you look at that as a free agent, especially a guy like Zach Wheeler, who chose not to sign with the White Sox, despite them offering more money than the Phillies, it, 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 you need to win. The young core looks great, and some guys such as Yasmani Grandal will recognize that. But other guys like Zach Wheeler aren't going to bank on that because when you're at that point in your career and it doesn't matter who's, who's going to pay you, you're going to get paid a lot of money you want to win. So I, I think that it's a mixture between the winning and the, the core. The White Sox have one of the best young cores in all of baseball, but they also have one of the worst track records in the past decade when it comes to winning.
0: Speaking of Yosemite Grandal, can he do what Derrick Rose could not do or would not do for the Bulls, and that is recruit? Is he that type of player? Is he that that type of respected uh, player for the White Sox now? Is he going to be recruiting?
1: Um, I'd say he's very well respected, but at the same time, he's not exactly an established superstar. Derek Rose at that time was an established superstar and the expectation was that he would recruit. He has Grandal while he's an above average catcher and player in Major League Baseball is not an established, is not a player that is in the position in terms of popularity where you would expect him to recruit. So anything you're going to get out of him recruiting wise is a bonus. Obviously he played for the Dodgers for several years, so he has ties with, Hinjin Ryu, who's a free agent, Jack Peterson, who's a potential trade target. So he knows those guys well, and he can he can do as much recruiting as possible. But it's not like you're bringing in a bona fide super, superstar where it'd be an NBA scenario where you're, you're going to form like a big three sort of thing. I don't think it's going to make that much of an impact.
0: Speaking of Peterson, since you seem to be um, in, in the know with him in the past, <clears throat> um, what do you think? Where, where do you think he's going to go? Where is he going to end up?
1: He won't be with the Dodgers at spring training. They're for sure going to trade him. He wants out of LA. I don't know if it's going to be to the White Sox. Apparently, according to Twitter, if I have a say in it, it won't be to the White Sox. So we'll see. Why? Wait,
0: wait. Explain. Are people giving you a hard time about that? Because well, I don't.
1: I don't really read most of them. The ones I do read, I find very funny. So, um, yeah. I honestly, I I haven't really heard too much on the Jack Peterson front. I'm sure I will, especially this week with the winter meetings, but. I don't think he's going to be with the Dodgers.
0: And we okay. should explain what, what that means when people on Twitter are saying that, if you have anything to say with it. Explain You know what happened uh, last year. You uh, broke the story of a potential trade um, of Peterson to the White Sox, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. And um, both teams caught on that it had been on Twitter, on your account, mm-hmm. and um, some people blame you for that not falling through. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
1: That sounds about right. <laughs> okay,
0: so that's why that's why you're getting a hard time for people on Twitter. So, for well, those no, it's like I didn't know that. No, no, no. We're explaining to our listeners, oh, okay, you know, okay. the the yeah, background it. of it. They need to understand um, what that is. So now that you've had a little bit of time to digest, um, David Ross hiring by the Chicago Cubs. Your your um, impressions now, um, a few months later, since since they have actually uh, hired him, um, do you feel any differently about it?
1: I don't feel any differently about it because you have to consider the fact that literally nothing has happened to the roster. nothing is He's announced his coaching staff, and there wasn't really anything eye-popping on there. So, uh, no, my opinion hasn't changed at all. I think it's an interesting approach. It's very risky. And until the roster is filled out, until the winter meetings are over, I, I'm going to re- stand by my initial statement, which is, Think it's I think it's cool that they're bringing him back. I don't think that, that was the best option. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. High risk, high reward type of thing.
0: So many people in Chicago think that they got to know David Ross fairly well as John Lester's personal catcher. He announced his retirement heading into the 2016 season, and that led to Grandpa Rossi having a storybook finish to his playing career. But did this mean that the guy from Tallahassee was a shoe in for the Cubs' 55th managerial job? Well, that is the question that kicked off my conversation with Rossi after his press conference announcing his hiring with the Chicago Cubs. So um, I heard you just describe yourself as a a guy from Tallahassee where there's a lot of rednecks. (laughs) So what in the heck is a redneck woman do in Chicago? I, I mean let me just set the stage for you in case you haven't thought about this in the last you know 48 hours or whatever there's been a long list of big names who have coached not only baseball in Chicago football hockey basketball I mean, has it sunk in that you are joining this list of, of
2: coaches and managers in this city? It, it has not, until You just said so. Um, has
0: that redneck figured that uh, out? Yeah, yet? yeah,
2: yeah. I think it's slowly from processing that. I, it's such a sports town too, and I, I see it as I was walking around yesterday uh, in all the Bears gear and what was going on and um, poking your head into uh, these bars and the windows and seeing uh, the hockey on last night. You know, the Blackhawks playing. Um, it's a sports town. They're passionate. About their their sports here in Chicago, and I love that. I, I don't come I come from a small college town of Tallahassee uh, where we you know we like our simple things and it's just you get to be a part of this city uh, and I'm already connected in one way and now again trying to make history and, and knowing the expectation of these fans, these people, how passionate they are. I love it. I love the expectations and what it carries, because that's what I want to be held to. That's what I want to do. I didn't come back just to be the, you know, this so-called manager and that title. I want to come back and win championships. I want to do special things, make history. That's the stuff that's driven me as a player uh, at the end of my career. Once you're a part of that and you get to touch and taste that, that, that's a, that's a great feeling. That's what I want to get back to.
0: And you brought up the bears. So you know what it's like to win in this town. And it's you are the toast of the town when you win. Last year, the Bears were a double-doink away in the playoffs. They were the toast of the town. Now, yeah. four losses into a season, and everybody is going crazy. Are, are you prepared to handle the losing in this town? The winning's great. It's the losing that can be tough.
2: The winning is great, but I think from a player standpoint and also from a coaches or manager standpoint, the winning's you're expecting. So when they come, you're off, you're on to the next one. The losings are the ones that drive you crazy, right? And you're passionate about how to fix it and how to how to go to work and 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 get better. So that's what you focus on is how to continue to get better and and hold your group to a standard that is winning. And I've seen a lot of winning Um, over my years of playing and, and what that entails and what those expectations look like. The the losing will drive me crazy. I'll tell you that. I, I don't want to lose. I'm. I, I winning is a passionate thing for me, and I've been a part of losing, and it's just not fun for anybody. So um, that's not on my radar. I want. I want to continue to focus on the the aspects that I know that entail. They come with winning, and as long as I can get my players to adhere to that, to being prepared, uh, trusting each other, respecting one another, uh, their effort, their focus on a daily basis. That's all you can ask of your players. The talent's there here. the talents here in Chicago, that's going to equate to winning. That's all I want to hold these guys to is just those standards that, that I've seen over my career as a player of winning.
0: So you brought up Tallahassee. You come from a family of athletes. I mean, your mom might be the best athlete of the family. I'm just saying. <laughs> she was she'll
2: a hoop. say she was. Was she a hoop player? Yes, yeah, she played basketball. All right, Any
0: woman that played basketball, she's like good in my book. Um, but your dad, your mom, your uncles, so I get where you get your athleticism and how to be an athlete. But how does that help you become a manager? What is it in your upbringing that's that's going to help you in being a manager? Yeah, I
2: think um, you know, speaking of Tallahassee and that town, it's just shaped who I am and and it starts with my mom and dad and and it and it talks about treating people the right way being honest uh, being humble Um, it's not about me this whole process it's about the players it's about this organization I'm just going to be a small piece of the puzzle just like I was as a player um, that's all I want to be as a manager as a guy that facilitates winning that leads this group that that you know, continues to motivate and press on to the things that I believe in. And so it's a lot of those qualities of respecting uh, each other and building that trust and building relationships. Those are the things my parents emphasized. And, and staying humble in and, and the great moments, right? Because you're, you're one loss away from being humble, especially in a market like this.
0: So Theo had a conversation with you back in your playing days in Boston. How, how much did that change the person that you were and the person that you became at that point in your career, the honest conversation about maybe the perception of you at that time.
2: That may have been the most important conversation of my career and, and a turning point for me if you look after that. Um, it was really all uphill after that um, with with the winning and, and who I was and what I started to pay attention to and the attributes that I started to notice in others and how they made me feel. Those are the things that I noticed uh, after Theo told me uh, about my reputation, and had that tough conversation, and I'm so thankful for that. I think sometimes uh, we always want to be positive and, and, and warm and fuzzies. For him to tell me that, uh, at, at, you know, and I became a free agent, so there was nothing really beneficial for him other than just being honest and open. He could have not had any conversation with with me, but he chose to give me some yeah. some some true open honesty about my reputation, and I can't thank him. Uh, enough for that. It was uh, it was a big turning point for me, and something that I started to take notice of just how I treated other people, and and made sure I tried to be positive in everything that I did. Not that I don't I don't feel like I was a super negative person, but just being aware of uh, my presence.
0: And I love how you brought up in your press conference that the whole Grandpa Rossi I- image is. Overblown. The behind the scenes, you had some tough conversations as well, whether it was with John Lester or maybe some of the young guys. So, without throwing anyone under the bus, give us an idea of what the toughest conversation is you have had to have with a teammate.
2: Oh boy, um, yeah. I mean, there, there's uh, there's a small story about Anthony Rizzo and I uh, in Pittsburgh, where uh, his first at bat. Um, or with bases loaded against a pitcher that I thought he should have a lot of success off of, we'll just say. And um, and he rolled over and and into a double play, and we scored run one run. He swung at the first pitch and rolled over, uh, and we and scored a run. And he came by back by and and sat next to me, and I guess I was really quiet. I don't know. I just prompted him to say, "Well, what do you got? What's wrong with you?" And I just kind of was like, "What's wrong with me?" I'll tell you what. you really want to hear what's wrong with me, I'll tell you what's wrong with you. You're telling me you were focused during that at bat, and you gave, you were locked in. Because this guy, this guy threw your first pitch sinker away, and you rolled over for a double play. I was like, you're better than that guy. There's no way you were just up there getting, getting your an RBI, and I just. Kinda of, probably more than I should have, gave him a little bit of a tough love. And and luckily for Riz, he didn't punch him in the face. He listened, <laughs> he listened, he listened to the criticism I was actually given. And um and his next to bat, he had a home run into and yeah, he, he had a home run and he rounds the bases and he comes in, and starts yelling at me, and I was like, hey buddy, if you need me to motivate you, like I can I can be I can be a jerk every day, trust me. Um so yeah, just some of those things. I don't know if it's a tough conversation, it's just you know, those things when you see it done the wrong way and you see see a lack of focus just to make sure you call that out i i mean schwarbs and i uh just early on in his career when he was catching and some things about his body language on the field and um and and how we were getting our butt kicked and he was catching and um just went up to him and was he came up and was like you know what, what's wrong what do you got i feel like i could do nothing right and I was like i said well one your body language is terrible everybody's the whole team is looking at you like you're the one that's representing this group and and you've already given up and you know just just some yeah, and I don't always choose my words right, but I—they I, know that I care and there's passion, and um, I think that goes a long way.
0: So, at what point in your playing career? Because when you're a player, you want to play. I mean, we all get yeah. it. We've we've all been there. You're not thinking about five years down the line, ten years down the line. At what point did you say, you know, I do have the best seat in the house, whether it <laughs> is as a catcher or is it on the bench? At what point did you say? I think this is something that I could be building on, and I'm going to start taking advantage of this. I think.
2: I think just. Um, I think. Yeah, you're right. We all do want to play, and, and that's a that's a tough balance. But um, being comfortable with your role, knowing my role, uh, especially when I was here, um, just catching John. So um, I only I, I got to sit at the bench f- four days, and and had to find something to do, and paying attention and how to contribute in that way. That's all I want. I want to win. So uh, finding your finding your role and, and your voice. Uh, from a from a bench position was important to me and so um, just looking at the game of how I could help out how can you impact how can you influence guys on what I'd learned and and how to have that um, impact for guys especially the young group we had when I first got here so that's how I looked at it is is how can I help us win and facilitate winning through everybody and teach them the lessons that I failed on, help guys not make those same mistakes.
0: Everyone likes to joke that ESPN is like the training ground for guys <laughs> that want to go on and uh, make the next step. But truly, what is it in the preparation as an analyst that that did prepare you? Were you looking at it in a different way for the first time?
2: I think um, you start to dive into the numbers more than you do as a player, mm-hmm. right? And that was a little bit of my front front office role. I got to see some of that stuff too. Yeah, you're diving in uh, what the strength and weaknesses are of the, of the team are and how the matchups go when you study in for a game and uh, things you're going to talk about in the game. You get into background and the strength and weaknesses of the pitcher and the hitters and how that matchup work. And from my catching background, you start to want to wanna talk about, you know, the success and failures of each pitch and and how that dictates the at bat and who's on deck. And I don't know, you just, you kind of run through the game and and you've got to know all the bullpen guys and their strength. You just got to have, to do a lot of background work. I think it's just prep, uh, same kind of prep I'll have before a game.
0: All right. So last couple of questions, Uh, the assumption, Oh, this was David Ross's job to lose. Oh, this was, (laughs) this was already in the books. But there is not a person that goes into an interview and doesn't have questions for them. And so we haven't heard, what were your concerns coming into this? What did you want them to tell you about this job, this team, expectations?
2: Well, I just wanted to know that we were all in. in one, first of all, it's like, did not feel like it was my job to lose at all when you're in that, in that seat, in the hot seat in these interviews. Um, I, you know, I don't think... Um, to a man, I thought anybody was in my corner uh, at all when I was in it, right, believe it or not. I really? just Yes, it was a lot of very, it was very professional, very business-like. I mean, I got a lot of friendships, but that second interview, there was not a whole lot of smiles going around. As much as I'm a fun-loving guy, like, I walked in there and felt, you know, it was like, okay, here we go. Felt they like wanted firing, you to feel that way. I, I don't know, probably, I guess so, because it felt like a firing squad, so, um yeah. What was the second part of that question?
0: What did you want to know? from Oh that? yeah.
2: Yeah. I just wanted to know that I, I, my main thing was like, I want to know I'm the right guy. Like we've got this relationship, we're friends, but, um, I had said over and over again, like, I want, I want, I want the full gamut, run me hard. Like I want you to, to push me, challenge me. Uh, cause I want to, I, I, this is not something I take very lightly. So if you don't think I'm the right man, I, I, I want to know. And they've, They, they did. They, they fired. You know, before I even agreed to the interviews, it was you know a conversation uh, with Theo and them because it, it's a, it's a big decision for me. It's just something I don't take lightly, and um, I think we all sacrifice a lot when you come into this baseball world, and as, as I am going to have to as well.
0: All right, finally. It's the greatest move now for, you know, it's a, it's a, the future, a look towards the future. You're starting something new. What were some of the greatest text messages you got <laughs> from guys or, you know, who, well, who were they from and what, what were they?
2: Um, well, I'll tell you like some fun ones first, like Riz and, and uh, I think um, John was like, do I, Lester's like, do I have to call you manager David now? <laughs> like <laughs> and Riz is like, congrats, Skipper. Um, some guys, uh, we're super excited with some, some F yes and uh, you know some of that stuff. <laughs> that was I, Schwarber. That was, yeah, Schwarber <laughs> and Hap, yeah. Um, uh, I think some of the coolest ones that I got were former teammates that reached out and said, there's there's not a man that I could say I would want to play for more than a guy like you, which pretty heavy. So That's, That's cool, yeah. Congratulations. That's cool. Thank you.
0: Well, I'll tell you this much. There there was a little bit of interesting notes that came out of that David Ross press conference and the interview. And uh, that was that David Ross had lots of questions of the Cubs as well. It wasn't like they just said, hey, the job is yours. He stood back and wanted to make sure that it was going to be the right fit for him. And I think also everyone who thought that it was going to be, you know, the boys club of 2016 um, reunited, I think that, you know, more stories came out about how tough he is on some, was on some of his teammates and, you know, the tough side of him in being able to handle these guys now is their boss. It'll be interesting. Don't you think?
1: I completely agree. I think it'll be one of the top storylines of baseball, especially in Chicago, and if it goes poorly after a year, I think that he'll immediately be on the hot seat. If not, then it's going to be praised. It's going to be glorified in a way. And he's going to continue to be one of the biggest sports heroes in recent Chicago sports history.
0: Okay, Jason, that sounds like a prediction. Do you have any other predictions? This is when we get to talk about today, tomorrow, and whatever else is going to happen. So let's look forward to tomorrow. Jason, give us some predictions.
1: So I think that during the winter meetings, White Sox are going to sign Dallas Keuchel and they're going to make a trade for a controllable player. I don't say pitcher because I've also heard that there's some outfielders that could be going after. So um, I think that they'll they'll be very active during the winter meetings. I think that in the next few months, the Bulls are going to fire Jim Boylan, Gar Foreman, and John Paxson. Attendance is way down. The winning, obviously, stays down. So I think that Jerry Reinsdorf's had enough, and he's just going to clean house, and we'll see what happens after that. And then my final prediction, I think that Clemson wins college football playoff. I'd love their draw against Ohio State. They're the hottest team in the country. Ohio State, not exactly battle-tested at this point. So be Clemson-LSU championship, one of the best championships in recent memory, and it'll end with the Clemson win.
0: Wow. And we still have a couple of shows to go before the Christmas holidays. So I won't ask you if we will know where you're going to college next year because
1: we're not going to know until February, probably. So,
0: All right. So with that, I present to you my closing thoughts. In 1990, Kim Ng, a University of Chicago graduate, became an intern with the Chicago White Sox before she was hired full time. 30 years later, she is now the highest-ranking woman in Major League Baseball as baseball's Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations. Bravo Chicago Cubs as well. Bravo New York Yankees. And Bravo Oakland A's. The Yankees, they hired Rachel Balkovic, a roving minor league hitting coach. The Cubs, they hired Rachel Folden to lead the hitting lab for its rookie club in Arizona. And a few years ago, the Oakland A's brought on Justine Siegel as an instructor in the Arizona Fall League, making her the first woman to serve as an MLB coach. Now, there are three on-field instructors who are women working in Major League Baseball. They have paid their dues, they have worked their way up, and they have proven that they belong. They are highly respected, and now they are paving the way for others. No woman has ever been a general manager in any of the men's major sports. Change can be very slow, yes, but in the age of sabermetrics, anyone who has a degree in sports analytics, data, or statistics can work on the field or in a front office, too. Women have played the sport The NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball all have hired women coaches. And as change can be slow, women are being given the opportunity. And now it's only a matter of time before they become commonplace in the front office and on the field, court, diamond, or rink. And to you, I say, bravo for that. Our thanks to David Ross and the Chicago Cubs for access to the new Cubs manager for our show to Adam Yoffe for his amazing support and expertise in driving the podcast. And during our Thanksgiving episode, I forgot to thank Adam. We're very, very thankful for you, Adam. Thank you for everything that you do for the podcast. Our artwork and logo is designed by Shay Conander. Please subscribe, download, rate, and review our podcast, the sportscaster and her son. We can be heard on SoundCloud, iTunes, spotify google play and wherever you listen
1: follow us on twitter facebook instagram and sportscaster.com you can find my stories on fan and my mom's in thank you for listening
0: see you next time everybody The sportscaster and her son is brought to you by ElectroFlex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world.
1: <laughs> Was I single?
0: <laughs> Was I single?